We read this morning from the very beginning of John's Gospel, chapter 1, beginning with the first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And we pray. These are your words, dear Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Please be seated. It's kind of a special grown-up feeling, an adulting feeling, when you pick out the very couch that you want in your home. Gone are the days of the curbside couch. Gone are the days of those like super cheap couches that break like the first time you super plop on them. You know, not that there's anything bad with those. I mean, I still have some secondhand furniture in my home, so don't don't get me wrong on that. But I got this couch. It's just a beautiful, great couch. It was a light, light grayish couch. And I bought it, and I felt really, really good about that couch. Um, so I have this son, uh, he was two or three years old, and he, a very cute son, name is Colin, a uh, great kid. And one day my wife found out he was a great kid that had found a Sharpie black permanent marker because she walked in and could see that on the couch. And she described it, it's like those horror movies where you have high-pitched violins playing in the background as you look on because she saw like a little mark and then it's like okay well we could maybe flip the cushion it'll be okay and no one will notice and then as she got closer it's like more marks the armrest is marked up you can't flip an armrest and then the tops of cushions are scribbled on so you have to choose between zipper side and scribble side is not a great not a great choice and so it had all of these markings. And this was two weeks after we bought this prized, beautiful couch. We, it lasted two weeks of awesomeness. And then it's like, well, I should have just gotten like a curb one at that point again. Um, it was a very depressing time. Uh, and so, you know, you do what you got to do. And uh, even though I was allegedly a grown up, it's like you call, you know, you, you call up mom. And uh, my mom it turns out was like, um, call the people at Sharpie, see what they say. My impression with Sharpie is like, you mark someone with a Sharpie, it's gonna last longer than you. Like you will be in the grave and the Sharpie will still be there. And we called the Sharpie people and the lady's like, hey, there's this one product on Amazon, buy it, it'll take it right off. And then sure enough, we got that product, we put it on the couch it actually did get the Sharpie off of it. Um, it was just kind of like incredible, like we thought this couch was ruined and it just got fixed. And it impressed on me that you, you could go on the internet and you could probably find all sorts of fixes like rub lemon juice or you know, douse it in Coca-Cola or something, it's probably gonna stain it worse. But the manufacturer truly knew what would fix the stain. Only the manufacturer really had it right. And as we look at our lesson for today, that's what this Gospel of John is telling us too. Only the manufacturer knows how to truly fix it. Only our manufacturer, our creator, knows how to truly fix our big problem. 
And that's what we really are looking forward to with Christmas. As you see, in the gospel I just read, the very start of it, now the starts of books are very important because it's kind of like, hey, this is the stuff I'm going to talk about, so get ready. And so this is very important that it's at the very start of this book. It starts out, in the beginning was the word. And this is hearkening back to the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, where it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And so John is saying, hey, the stuff that happened with creation a long, long time ago is happening with Jesus. This is the stuff that he is coming to do. So get ready for that. Get ready for creation, part two. Get ready for recreation. It says, in the beginning was the word, and we find out through the course of the beginning of John's prologue that that word refers to Jesus before he took on human flesh. That he is the word, he is true God with the Father, but he also participated in creation. It says this, things like, through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made. It was made. So he was there participating in creation. He's the manufacturer, so to speak. And yet John is like, yeah, this is happening again with Jesus in this gospel, in his life, in his work, in the stuff that he is described to be doing in that book. It, this earthly life of his is another creation, a recreation for us. And that, I think, is a really quite an incredible point because I don't know about you, but I don't know. I always... In the past, it was very easy to think about creation as, yeah, this happened a long time ago, and I don't really know how it's always super relevant to my day-to-day life. But John is saying, actually, yeah, that's a very important point, that you are a creation, that we are created, we are creatures, and that is actually very relevant to us and our life now. This is a connection that he's saying is going on in the gospel, in what Christ is doing. Creation is, again, the manufacturer knows how to fix the product when the product's gone wrong. And God knows how to fix us as the product that's gone wrong. And the thing is, too, the stuff I just read mentioned, you know, even though we're created by God, uh, we're not always thrilled, don't always understand what this whole idea of recreation is. Not necessarily something we even want. Because it talks about the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness didn't comprehend it. And then later it's going to talk about he came to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. And so, yeah, it's not just quite like, yay, we're getting recreated or something like that. It's like a, we kind of like to do our own thing, and that's part of the problem. See, creation actually puts a very strong claim on us because when you create something, you're saying, this is how you're supposed to be. This is what you're supposed to be doing. And so I think, you know, one example, uh, I play video games. And if you've ever played much with a controller, like Xbox controller, Switch controller, uh, they get drift eventually. They're supposed to go the way you want to go with that analog stick, but eventually the analog stick goes bad. And then your character is like looking up randomly or turning randomly or walking off a cliff randomly. And it's, you're not pushing anything. You're not pushing the analog stick. You're just sitting there. It's like, why is it moving? It goes, well, you got analog stick drift. So now it's time to, you know, smash your controller and uh, responsibly recycle it. But you have this broken um, controller. And in many ways, it's kind of like us with our brokenness. 
we like to drift our own way. We don't, when we have a creator who has claims on us, it's like, you're supposed to go forward. You're supposed to go left. You're supposed to get right. But with our drift, we want to go our own way. We want to go our erratic way. We want to spin around randomly and honestly walk off a cliff, so to speak. And so we don't appreciate uh, our great need for creation. Often, we just, to put it just straightforwardly, we don't want to live often how our Creator wants us to live. You know, often we want to do our own thing. And this is going to take a lot of different forms. Sometimes it's like a sin in our lives. You have a particular sin, and it's like, well, I want to kind of do that. I'll maybe be somewhat good about other things, but I kind of want to do this sin. I don't want to give it up. I want to kind of go that route uh, and kind of go our own way. Because we can act often like these little sort of drifts off don't matter. You know, a little bit of gossip, maybe a little bit of lust, maybe a little bit of cheating, maybe a little bit of just kind of like being mean to people that are around us. And then the, the cold, hard reality is any sin can kind of become like that. And if we kind of nurture it and don't struggle against it, um, we're going to stop caring about it. And eventually, we're going to get so used to it, we're going to get stuck in it with stubbornness. We're not going to fight against it. We're not going to repent of it. And eventually, we can easily push faith and the Holy Spirit away with that. That's why Advent, as we prepare for Christmas, is an important time to realize, like, hey, wake up. Sometimes we do drift off, and we need to take seriously that need for repentance. But in spite of ourselves, we have one who created us and who recreates us now. And that's a very important feature. It doesn't end this gospel with, yeah, the light shines in the darkness, the darkness didn't comprehend it, the end. It goes on and tells us everything that Jesus did to fix and recreate us. Now, uh, with creation, it's creation out of nothing. God spoke the words and it came about. And that's like with our recreation, too. We have nothing to kind of offer. No, hey, we got this going on, you should recreate us because that would be awesome. It's, we got nothing, nothing to deserve recreation. He does it purely by his love and grace. And now if you think about the text saying the word became flesh, so the second person of the Trinity took on human flesh so that he could live perfectly and flawlessly. Because if you're going to clean out a Sharpie marker on a couch, you're not going to use a dirty rag for it. You need a clean rag. And so Jesus needed to be clean and without sin. And just like that once clean rag, once you start rubbing it with the solvent and the Sharpie, it's going to absorb that permanent marker onto itself. And that's what Jesus did when he took, his, took our sins on himself and when he paid for them on the cross, taking them away, taking those what seemed to be permanent stains of sin on us and getting rid of them. He did that for us on the cross. And he truly fixes us. We live in a world where it's clear we're going to die someday. And that is a pretty big problem. And Jesus came with recreation so that that didn't have to be the case. He didn't create us uh, just so uh, he wanting us to die or something like that. Death was a result of the fall into sin. He recreates us so that just like Jesus rose from the dead and continued to live and continues to live, we too, like him, 
would rise and live and be with him in heaven, all because of his work, uh, his recreation of us. And even more, just like how the text talks about in the beginning was the word, that word, word is pretty important. It's not like in the beginning was, you know, someone that was important. It's the word. And that's because when you look at Genesis, you see that God created by speaking with words. And so words are very important. God uses words very powerfully. And so it is still today for us with our recreation. God speaks and things happen. In the Bible, it says things and it when that word is spoken to us, it creates those realities. So when God speaks us that our sins are forgiven, they are forgiven. That is a new reality for us. When he speaks that word, the Holy Spirit has the power to work faith in our hearts. It's, it's his doing. It's a comfort for us that he's the one creating this in us. So God speaks and it happens. We can be very confident that when that word of forgiveness is spoken to us, we're really and truly forgiven before God. So Jesus, participating in creation in the beginning, is not like a side note to the Gospel of John or the earthly life of Jesus. It's John is saying, hey, listen up. The stuff that happened at creation is happening again in Jesus. And what a comfort that is. Because it, it, it so much highlights everything that Jesus did to save us is 100% his doing and not ours. It's totally by grace. Because when you fix something, it's not the stain on the couch that gets itself out. The drifty controller doesn't fix itself. When stuff is getting fixed, just like when stuff is getting recreated, it's totally on the power of the creator, the part of the manufacturer to create that fix. So when we see this theme of recreation, that this is what John is telling us Jesus' life is going to be like, it should give us a great deal of confidence that us being right with God and us having heaven is totally because of God's work for us, because we can't do anything on our own to accomplish it. It's more than simply like a proof passage. It's like a proof motif or a proof Bible that when we see this recreation, we see it's totally God's work that has accomplished saving us and giving us heaven. So when we face those dark times, when we feel sad or alone, we know that we matter because God cared enough to create us. You, you care about the stuff you create and he cares about us and he cared enough to recreate us too. When the world feels broken and we feel the brokenness in our lives, remember that God is the master fixer of brokenness. He can recreate the stuff he recreate. He can recreate the stuff he created. That's exactly what he, what he does for us to fix our brokenness now and eternally in heaven. Amen. Please rise for prayer. God, we thank you for creating us and recreating us. When we feel despair, remind us of your saving word where you pronounce our sins forgiven and brokenness as mended. As you recreate us in your as you created us with your infinite care and purpose, grant that we live out each day in peace as we know you always are there for us and you have bestowed meaningfulness on our existence now and forever in heaven. Amen.
in the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.